You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The Podcast Playground. Hooray! Well, this is Buzz Knight, the host of Taking a Walk, Music History on Foot. And you could follow us wherever you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, the Podcast Playground. And kindly share it with a friend and leave a review. Today we have a very special virtual guest, the best-selling novelist of so many great stories, Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island, his great novels turned into amazing movies, Dennis Lehane. His new book is called Small Mercies, and it's described as a jaw-dropping thriller set in the days of the 1974 Boston school segregation crisis. We'll welcome Dennis Lehane next on Taking a Walk. Well, Dennis, thanks for being on uh, Taking a Walk, and congratulations on the release of uh, the new book, Small Mercies. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank you. So take us back, if you can, to what it was like literally taking a walk through those Dorchester neighborhoods back in 1974, those big row houses and everything. What was that like? I mean, it was, it was for me as a kid, it was wonderful right up until you started to see the, the graffiti. And then you'd start to see, I mean, imagine seeing KKK in Boston. That to me is, is just burned into my memory. Um, you'd see kill all the N words. You'd see N words stay out. Um, it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Um, this was, you know, Vietnam was winding down. Nixon had just resigned. I mean, it was, 
it was a pretty historic summer and and that's the same summer they desegregated the you know the public schools and Bill Russell, as a great leader for the Boston Celtics, often talked about the difficulty of being an African-American during that period, too, correct? Yeah, yeah. It, it was, I, I think if you were, um, look, there were, two, there were two very clear issues that were happening in, in Boston that summer. One was desegregation, which absolutely had to happen. It had been delayed for nine years. The Boston School Committee had blocked it for nine years. And... It had to happen and it had to happen right then and it had to happen, you know, without without question. And then there was the other issue, which was the method by which it was, which was busing. And and it being with I believe that if the suburbs had stuck with it and they pulled out at the 11th hour and left Garrity and the neighborhoods holding the bag, um, I believe that if it had been a countywide um, desegregation of all schools that it would have been a raging success but because it was dropped into the poorer neighborhoods like Southie, like Dorchester like Charlestown it gave them a one more reason to feel as if the powers that be were telling them what they were going to do whether they wanted it or not and b it stoked um, a racism that had that had been lying not dormant but I think quiet and until that moment and then it just exploded it just was like ripping the you know ripping the band-aid off a scar what was the soundtrack musically during that period that you recall either listening on the radio or what was popular then oh on well, the radio yeah it's even in the book in the you know it was um don't let the sun go down on me i remember it was a big song that summer um i think there was things like you know, the night they drove old Dixie down, I think was a big hit. Uh, it was like Tony Orlando and Don and stuff like that was, it was big. Um, maybe seasons in the sun might've been around that time. I'm just, I mean, I'm just reaching back here. You know, um, my mom would listen to WHDH, Jess Kane on WHDH because they had this, they had this every hour, they would give you a number I'll never forget this. And they would give you this number. It'd be like, say 103.8.33. And it was the magic number and you would call in. And if you could get through the busy signal, which you never could, you would, and you were the 10th caller, you would win that money. And they would give this away every hour, every hour on the hour. So my mother constantly had WHDH on. So whatever was the, the crappy pop songs of that time, I knew them all. <laughs> There were some bad ones, right? <laughs> there were some really bad ones. There were some really bad ones. They're still stuck in my head. But it's an interesting backdrop to such a crazy period that the book focuses on with that, you know, that pop music and, you know, just that really tense period. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a very, um, it's a very strange thing to see people who wave at you and smile at you and, and are your, you know, would you know, you know, I live right over the border with 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 South yeah, in Dorchester. I was the first neighborhood um, south of South Boston. And to see these people who, you know, would help shovel your walk if you ask them to, you know, I mean, just just, you know, good, solid people. And then simultaneously, those people are throwing rocks at buses with school children in them. And you can't get your head around that at nine. It's hard enough to get your head around that at 20. And 
I don't know. It's a very, it's a very strange thing to try. And I watch my kids go through this now. How do you reconcile not only the bad that's in good people, but the good that's in bad people? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you connect those two? You know, um, I don't, I don't think, I think it's a lifelong process. And your inspirations as a writer really have always gone to themes of crime and corruption and intensity. So I have to think at nine years old, that's one of the things that happened that really shaped you around uh, small mercies. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. You, you just, you, you're, I think when I was writing this book, one of the things that was really surprising to me was it's a dark book. It's, I mean, it's a dark book. It drops the hammer and it just keeps going and it never stops. It's like, a, it's a one way, you know, elevator drop to hell in a lot of ways, but writing it was a really pleasant experience. It was uplifting. It was, it, I think it was a, because I was purging a lot. And I was purging a lot of things that nine-year-old me had needed to purge. And so I started to feel this overwhelming sadness as I was writing the book. And I realized that I was, I was really just trying to process my own sadness at that age because I just couldn't make sense of any of this, you know, and, and the vitriol, the level of vitriol. I mean, we're Bostonians, right? Buzz, are you from here? I've lived here much of my life. I'm originally from okay. Connecticut, but I've been here okay. since the early 90s. Got it. So I grew up in, in Boston. One of the things that is really common because it's a it's such an immigrant-based culture is, you know, they they have a common way of saying, oh, the Poles, oh, the Irish, oh, the Jews, oh, the Italians, right? You know, because it's very European in that way. And, and there's something kind of with a soft eye roll and it's, and it's, it's, there's almost a sweetness to it in a strange way. You know, that sweetness disappears when they say, oh, the blacks completely disappears. And, and then they're not using the word black. And, and there was, I think I was shocked by that because at first when I was nine, I thought it was all part of the same stew. But what busing did was say, no, that you wouldn't be reacting this way if they were busing in Italian kids from the, from, you know, if it, if it was a neighborhood's rights issue and they had decided to switch the population, say of South Boston high and Revere high, so that you're switching Italian American kids with Irish American kids, would there have been the same level of vitriol? Absolutely not. Would there have been a legitimate anger over, Hey, you're forcing us to do something that we don't want to do. Yeah, sure. Absolutely but it wouldn't have reached this level of rage. That was particular to African-Americans coming into our neighborhoods is how they looked at it. Do you feel Boston is ever going to shake this? No, that's the, that's the real legacy of this is because I was nine, I'm sitting there and I'm going, what are we doing? What, what are we doing on the CB? What is Walter Cronkite doing talking about my city? That's it was national. You have to understand how big it was. It was leading the national news every night for weeks was the, was the busing crisis. And they started having to bring in state troopers, you know, and they started to have to bring in the city cops to escort these buses up the hill. That was national news. And so everybody looked and we became a symbol of East Coast racism. And that's, I don't think the city will ever shake it. Maybe a hundred years from now, but we're talking, you know, I'm writing about it 50, almost 50 year, full years after it happened. And it's, you no, know, it's right there, like very fresh in the rear view mirror. 
Could you go back in time and give your younger self writing advice, maybe, that you would sort of consider? No, no. Because I got great writing advice, you know, very young. I was 16. You know, and the first thing I ever taught was, you know, write what you know. And what that means is that doesn't mean if you come from a family that has a dry cleaning business that you write about a family from a dry cleaning, you know, you write about the dry cleaning business. It means write about what you know. It means that most universal things will have happened to you by your by the time you're a certain age. You'll have had your heart broken. You'll have lost your illusions. You'll have um, understood both the taste of victory and the sting of defeat. You, you will know all of these things that are super important to every human being. That's what write what you know means. It doesn't mean, you know, my dad was a foreman at Sears and Robux. Write about, write about Sears and Robux. No, you know, it means write about your broken heart. Write about your disillusionment. Write about your triumphs. Write about your happy moments, whatever, you know, through, through the filter of characters, through the filter of other things. And I got that lesson very young. I also grew up clearly uh, in, a, in a very interesting time. And if you grow up in a very interesting time, you're given a gift as a writer in an interesting time in an interesting place. I think, you know, people say how, you know, I get credit for both characters and dialogue. And I'm like, if you grew up in my neighborhood and listened to the way people spoke and looked at how just wonderfully nuts everybody was, you'd write good characters too. It's not, a, it's not all that hard, you know? Um, so do you go back there ever? I go back a ton, uh, but I haven't been back because of COVID. I used to go back every single year. Every single year, I'd take my daughters to a uh, Red Sox game. I'd see all my buddies. Um, and then uh, COVID hit, and I haven't done it. But the last time I was there, something truly magical happened, which was I took my daughters and my wife, and we went by the house where I grew up. And it was being, they, it was literally, they were moving trucks on the street. And everybody was, the, the, the people who had been living there, since my dad sold it, were moving out because the house had sold. And I walked up with my daughters, who were little, little time, and said, hey, how you doing? I grew up here. Can I take a look? And they were like, sure. They didn't care. They were leaving. And I walked in and I took my daughters to every room in the house where I, and I can still remember they were running around from room to room. And just saying, Daddy used to be play with Uncle Jerry here. Daddy used to, you know, it was fantastic. That wow. was just the greatest gift. Those people were so kind. And the guy said to me, oh, I got to ask you something. I've, I've wanted to know this for years. And he opened up this door. And on the other side of the door was a wall. And he said, what's there? And I said, a staircase. And he was like, there's a staircase on the other side of that wall? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know why the guy threw up a wall. I don't know why the owner threw up a wall. But yeah, there's a staircase right there. Amazing. It was magic. It was magic. That was the last time I was in Boston. So, In closing, Dennis, as we think of our divided country today, uh, what lessons are in small mercies that apply now? We're all idiots. We're all the same idiots. Stop acting like that your anger is special, that your unhappiness is special. Stop trying to wrap it into something, some sort of movement. And just accept that we're all the same idiotic species. And I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your ideology is. I don't care what your religion is. We're all the same idiots. And I, I really feel like if you could get there, 
you know, it's one of my favorite lines is from a, a movie I love called Bull Durham, you know, and he says, why are you so nervous? And he says, because my dad's in the stands and Costner says, he's your dad. He's as full of shit as anyone. I love that. You know what I mean? That's just like, where's all just, we need to, I mean, when your ideology allows you to pick up an AR-15, a machine gun and go shoot a bunch of children in a mall, your ideology is bullshit. Like it just, it needs to stop. It needs to stop to just, we need to stop with the rage and the hate. And I think that starts by just saying, you know, we're all the same. We're all the same. And, and, and we're not, we're a couple of steps above and the rest of the animals, like not by much, you know, it just ease up, man, live your life. Let people live their life. Let people enjoy their lives and protect their kids. That's it. And that's, that's the only advice I got. And Bobby in the book, Small Mercy, says something very similar along those lines. You know. You're amazing. Your work's amazing. I'm grateful that, that I had you on. And uh, congratulations on Small Mercies. Thank you so much, Buzz. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.